Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at voxoc.com slash live and at the Eldorado Performing Arts Center. Uh, good morning, good morning. How's everybody this morning? Good. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. Glad you're all here. Welcome to Vox. Uh, if it's your first time, if you've been here before, uh, just give me a few minutes just to kind of tell you what to expect this morning as you've come in here. So uh, at Vox, typically what we do is have some uh, housekeeping stuff. We'll just kind of talk about some of the things going on around uh, the church and what's happening. we got some cool stuff. And then um, uh, we do a Q&A where we uh, invite people to ask questions, not like live, although that might be an option one day. Uh, but people will text in or email questions, and we, we really want to take time to answer those because... We believe that the church church should be the safest place to talk about anything. Uh, And so if you have questions, if you're a skeptic, if you're a doubter and you want to know, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to to be able to engage that dialogue and have those those, uh, questions asked. So uh, those are welcome as well. Um, And then you'll hear teaching, uh, and then there'll be uh, a time where we really gather, which is the focal point of our our gathering around the Eucharist, around communion. And then uh, we'll have uh, the band will come out and play in some worship, and you'll get to respond that way. So that's sort of what our morning looks like. So, uh, some cool things happening. It's Mother's Day. So outside, we have some awesome stuff. Uh, our volunteers and staff have created uh, a gourmet dessert meal for moms. Uh, and the best part about these meals here at church is there's no calories. Everybody knows that, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so there is strawberry lemonade. There's a strawberry mousse. There's a chocolate mousse, I believe, as well. So it's like mousse for moms. You kind of get what we're doing there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so um, that's there for you outside. So please hang out afterwards. Um, uh, be, enjoy what we have for you guys. Also, uh, we have a uh, country fair coming up in two weeks, I believe. I think we have a slide for that. There it is, country fair. Um, so this is May 27th. This will be after service. This is a chili cook-off. Uh, so if you have one of those uh, those chilies that you talk about and brag about all the time, like it's the best chili ever, then you need to sign up. Uh, we want to try it. We want to taste it. We're going to have a, a tasting. And uh, there's prizes for the best one. Uh, we have some good stuff for you. Um, and then also uh, a pie contest as well. If you have, you know, your mother's uh, recipe that you think is the best and you want to share that with us, please, uh, please, please come and share that with us. Uh, there'll be all kinds of kids games. There's bounce houses and stuff. Bring some chairs. We'll hang out on the lawn. Uh, it'll be a good time for everybody. And so just make sure you come out and bring some friends, invite some neighbors. Uh, it, it should just be a blast. So um, I think that's it for announcements. I don't know if there's anything else. Nope, I think that's it. Uh, so yeah, um, we have a couple questions. I think one question that came in, and so we're gonna just take a, a minute and just answer this question. So I think we can have that one throw. Okay, so here's the question. Somebody sent this in last week. Hey Vox, I am a Christian, but I have days uh, I am in depression and end up cutting myself. Later on, I wonder if God still loves me or if he hates me. Can I ever be healed from that, or will I always want to cut and feel far from him? How can I look at myself uh, like he does, his treasure? Wow. Um, Yeah, so let me just answer the first question. Um, I have days that I'm in depression and I end up cutting myself. Uh, If this is you, uh, if you struggle with this, if you have depression, if you are harming yourself, if you've ever had these thoughts, the first thing that you need is professional care. Um, I think... uh, 
that that would be the, the, the advice that we would say is that you need to have professional care. You need to have someone um, who can help walk you through this because this is a very serious thing. Um, and this is well beyond what um, a pastor uh, or a church's capabilities are to do. And let's just be real honest about that. And I think that we, we probably could take a moment here and just say that um, there has been tremendous trauma caused by certain tribes of Christians who've said, you know, if you're having depression, uh, simply pray harder and have faith and you'll be healed. And it's, that's insanity to me. Um, yes, of course, we want to have faith. And yes, of course, we want to pray because we believe that God can do things. But we also believe that God has given us a tremendous gift in the field of psychology and science. Um, for some reason, mental health care within Christian community, ha- even maybe just culturally, has this faux pas around it. But if people are sick physically, if we have an illness, we, we don't think twice about going to the doctors unless you're a guy because then you just think, oh, I'm fine, right? But we'll just go to the doctor and we have no problem seeing a physician to take care and take medica- medication to get fixed. But when it comes to mental health care, it's almost like we just ignore it and act like, well, it'll just go away. And it doesn't. And so if you struggle with this, then, then my first advice as a pastor and as just another human being looking at you saying, please get the help that you need. Um, there are lots of resources. Um, I, I would say that, uh, just so you know, that Vox has reached out to the person who sent this. Um, we've got them in contact with one of our community pastors. Uh, Carrie Garcia, who's one of our great teachers, she has incredible resources with the, uh, the programs that she's doing um, that can connect you with um, licensed therapists if you need help. And so I guess what I want to say is that if if this is you, uh, please, please reach out, say something. You're not alone. Uh, My guess is that there are lots of people around you who feel the way that you do um, and don't listen to those lies. Uh, Reach out and get help. And so I think that's, that's the first part I would say. Um, the next question is, later on, I wonder if God still loves me or if he hates me. Can I ever be healed from that? Or will I always want to cut and feel far from him? Uh, I think that this is a, um, this is a thing that a lot of people feel at different times in their life. Henry Nouwen, I'm just going to read a, a quick uh, quote from one of the books that he wrote called The Life of the Beloved. He answers this question um, in a pretty remarkable way, and I think it's valuable, and I, I would just mess it up. So I'm just going to read it. He says, over the years, I've come to realize that the greatest trap in our life is not success, popularity, or power, but self-rejection. When we have come to believe in the voices that call us worthless and unlovable, then success, popularity, and power are easily perceived as attractive solutions. The real trap, however, is self-rejection. I'm constantly surprised at how quickly I give into this temptation. As soon as someone accuses me or criticizes me, as soon as I am rejected, left alone, or abandoned, I find myself thinking, well, that proves once again that I am nobody. Instead of taking a critical look at the circumstances or trying to understand my own and others' limitations... I tend to blame myself, not just for what I did, but for who I am. My dark side says I am no good, and I deserve to be pushed aside, forgotten, rejected, and abandoned. I think that that answer speaks to sort of the condition of human beings, that we feel isolated and alone at times. And so um, that's, that's something that we have to work on. That's something that we, we struggle with as humans. And so, again, if this is you, if you felt these thoughts, that you're not alone. Um, this is what it means to be human and to question and to have these thoughts. And, um, and will, the question is, will, will I ever um, fee, see, see myself the way that God does? And I think I, I kind of want to just frame this up in in a way of talking about um, health and fitness. So just bear with me for a second in this crude example. The way that we measure health and fitness is your ability to recover, right? So if you do a strenuous exercise, they hook up all the machines to you. Uh, Strenuous exercise, stop. They want to see how fast your heart rate recovers, right? And if your heart rate recovers to a resting heart rate quickly, then they would say that you have health. 
Well, that's true about spirituality and even just our, our mental health. How fast and how quickly can you recover from situations that arise? That is to say that those things will never stop happening, that you'll have these issues, you'll have these feelings, you'll have these thoughts. But as you get healthier and as you practice and as you engage in spiritual practices and disciplines, you can get healthier and recover. It doesn't mean that things get easier. It just means that you can recover quicker and faster. And so we do that in community. We do that together. Uh, we never try to fight these things alone and, and, and move our way through life alone because it just, it's just too difficult. We need each other. And so um, Vox is a place that wants to engage these kinds of conversations and, and people who are struggling and be real um, and have real conversations. So um, I think that's it. Uh, how can I look at myself like he does? Yeah, I think that with enough time and enough practice, uh, you can find your way in that. And so, anyway, that's it for questions. If you have any more questions, feel free to text them in, um, email them if you want as well. Uh, and so right now I'm going to bring out Carrie, who's going to be teaching this morning, and she's going to bring her lovely family with her. Yes. Come on. Yes. <laughs> Here's Carrie. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you, brother. Great job. That was not an easy question to tackle. Ronnie, you did spectacular. Thank you for sharing all of that insight. And thank you for the people that write um, these questions. This is my beautiful family. I feel like today's the day I can brag on them. Hey, let's, let's say good to see you. Um, so I wanted, this is my husband, Mario. This is my son, Rocco. This is my son, Ryder, and my daughter, Roma. Do you want to say anything? Mario loves being on stage. I absolutely do not. <laughs> <laughs> She's here. <laughs> Anyways, I just want to wish everybody a uh, happy Mother's Day, and hopefully you guys can enjoy this day, whatever you're doing, um, even though it's cloudy weather out there. So enjoy <laughs> it, relax, and uh, just want to wish you guys a happy Mother's Day. Yeah. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Okay. Thank you. Roma, did you want to say a prayer for everybody today? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Amen. Thank you very much. <laughs> you guys can take that. This is my day to brag. I get one day just to brag that these are the fruits of my loins. <laughs> you know, when you've gone through what you've gone through to be a mom, you get a day where you can show them off for a second because that's a doozy, that whole, that whole mom birth situation. We won't go into that today, but it's a lot, guys. We are in a day. We are in a day. Hey, hi, welcome Voxers. I'm so glad to have you guys here today. If you are new here today, if you got dragged here today because it was Mother's Day and your mom was like, if you love me, you will come to church. And you were like, fine. Hey, you're welcome here. You don't gotta believe what I believe. It's okay, you are safe here. We're not gonna attack you. Uh, we're just gonna love on you, but we are so glad that you are here. It's my favorite to hang out with people that are in process. Today is an awesome day. We get to celebrate our moms. And so for those of you that are moms that did the birthing situation, Congratulations, you made it another year, you know? For those of you here that have moms, that's all of you. 
Love the people in your life today. For those of you who don't get to be with your mom today, um, I pray that there's people in your lives that are speaking in love into your life and nurturing you. Uh, I know for me, that's definitely my story. But, you know, honestly, like, this is like a day that we hold in a little bit of tension. Because today is this really awesome day where we celebrate our moms, or we are a mom, and there's all the joy in that. And then being a mom is also the hardest thing ever, I've ever done, ever. And then there's this tension of like, can can come with a little bit of sorrow. Today can kind of be a hard day. Um, I know I live in the tension of that. I live in the tension of Mother's Day being a really glorious day where, you know, I get to celebrate being a mom and all that that's meant. And I also sit in the hard um, part of the fact that, you know, I don't, my mom's not alive. And so, like, I kind of sit in the tension of that. And so, I have this, like, really heavy job today of how do I um, effectively kind of meet all the needs that are in this room. And the great news is, is I don't have to do that. Uh, God can do that. And I'm a conduit for whatever he wants to say and whatever he wants to do. So, this morning in the Starbucks parking lot, as I was scrolling through Facebook, um, really spiritual, I know. You're like, what does the pastor do in the morning before they prepare? Um, I drink tea and scroll through Facebook. Um, super spiritual. So uh, so if you're new here, you just realize, oh, the playing field really is even. <laughs> She's not that great. Uh, and... Uh, I'm scrolling through and I'm seeing all these pictures of, you know, kids that are posting about their moms. Um, I'm actually seeing my brothers and sisters posting about um, their mom, who is my stepmom, who I love very much, who has been more of a mom to me than I've ever had in my life. And there's like this wave that came over me, like unexpected wave of just like, whoa, I'm, I'm kind of sad. You know, and I was like sitting in that a little bit and just we had the opportunity to have a glimpse into kind of what the room might feel like today and of joy. And, and I don't want to m- diminish that joy, but also, you know, some sadness. Growing up, I was not one of those nurturing like kids at all. I mean, I know that's shocking because I feel so nurturing, but I wasn't. I, I was, I didn't really play with dolls. I was like, I wanted to hustle. I was always hustling, trying to make money, which is just crazy. I was always trying to make money when I was a kid. Like I told you, I've told you stories about this, but I never was like the girl that really played with dolls. And when I did play with dolls, it was like really controlling. You'd be like, you need to listen, mm, spanking, time out. Like, and I just throw them in a closet for like two weeks and come back. Are you ready to do I just was not, I was mean. I was kind of like a mean mom and I just didn't know how, I mean, I would play with other kids and if they didn't want to do what I say, I was totally the girl that was like, well, I'm taking my cards and going home then. And I just had no problem. I just was never the nurturing, you know, I didn't really like kids. I still don't really like kids. I I mean, I do love your kids because I know some of you bring your babies to me and I'm genuine. I do love your babies. I just, I just have never, was never thought about like, can't wait to grow up and get married and, and have babies. Like I wanted to grow up and take over the world. Like I wanted to be on Oprah. Like I didn't, I didn't have aspirations and I was like giving birth. Ew, like gross. Um, And as you know, like I was married before in my first marriage and um, really just never had this idea of ever being a mom. And and we didn't even talk about that. Like it just wasn't in my realm. And I, I think as I searched my heart, uh, when I got married, you know, to my husband and, and the family. clearly things have changed, <laughs> kind of. I'm still like on the, fa- I'm still like, are we sure we're still doing this? Um, 
And something inside me when, when I married Mario, I was like, man, I, I want to be a mom. And, uh, and even when we were dating and stuff, I was like, man, I, th- I think I might want to be a mom. What does that even mean? What does it even mean to be a mom? You see, I didn't have someone teaching me how to be a mom. I didn't, I didn't live in that environment. What I witnessed was, was a mom who was really sick and very checked out and, and struggled with eating disorder and, and mental illness. And, and so I didn't really understand what it meant to like nurture and be a mom. And I was scared that I wasn't going to be able to be a good mom. And um, God had other plans. I got pregnant on my wedding night. So that can happen, guys. Um, and I was like, well, I guess we're doing this now. And, but I just, I just never, it never really was something that I thought I was going to be very good at. And I knew I was really good at what I was good at. I knew I could get on stage. I knew I could talk. I knew I could sell anything. (laughs) I was good at those things. But being a mom was not something that I really thought I was going to do well. And I'm going to be honest with you that to this day, it is the one area of my life that puts me on my knees. There is no other job I've ever done um, that has made me need Jesus more because I have these three little people that look to me and trust me and I'm flawed and I'm broken and I'm going to do things wrong and I'm not saving for their college education. I'm saving for their therapist. I feel like that's a better gift, (laughs) right? I was reading, one time I was doing a church service at a very conservative church. Shocking that they would even have me come. But I was there and reading the very, very scripted outline of what I'm supposed to say. And it was Christmas time and I'm reading the story um, of Jesus and um, and going to the cross. And it was, um, you know, they, they had this whole scripted out thing and I'm reading it. And as I come across this one bit of passage, I'll actually put it on the screen for you. It was John 20, uh, John chapter 19, verse, verse uh, 25, it says, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And then verse 26 says, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, woman, he is your son. And he said to the disciple, she is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. And as I'm reading this, and I'm standing there at Christmas time, and I mean, it is like there's an orchestra. It's a whole thing. And you don't go off script. And I don't do well with don't go off script. Um, and I'm standing there, and I'm reading this, and there's, it's on TV. It's like a whole thing, guys. It's a whole situation. And there's all these people, and I just stopped. And I said, wow. In the midst of Jesus dying, he's looking down and some of his last words, he is committing his mother to John and John to his mother. I mean, if I'm going to take an opportunity to care about myself, it's going to be in that moment, right? In your most hardest moment in life, the moment where you are in the most pain and Jesus yet stops and does this this, this, this moment between his mom and one of his dearest, as John would put it, God's favorite. I love that. Totally John. Like, I'm going to put the beloved right, and God's like, go ahead, put it in there. God's favorite. That'd be so my chapter. Carrie, the disciple Jesus loved the most, 
John, I get you, John. I get you. And he's having this whole exchange while he's on the cross. And I stop in the midst of this and tears just start coming down my eyes. And I can't, I go off script, guys. And I just like, do you guys get how much God loves you and how much he sees you? And the pastor's like, what do we, what do we do? What do we do? He's looking at, oh no, dear Lord. <laughs> she's trailing, she's trailing, she's going rogue, get the cane. And I just was like, I, I mean, I couldn't help myself. And then in the back of my head, I was like, this is going to be a great Mother's Day message. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this in the back. I could speak this at Vox. Here we go. I'm reading this, and, and you need to understand, like, as I go in, and, and the, the, the thing's over, I don't go too crazy. I get back on script, and like, <clears throat> excuse me. Anyway, it's great to have you here. Thanks for coming. You know, bye. And, and as I go back and research some of this, I start, like, what was going on here? Let me paint the picture for you. We, we kind of know. I mean, happy Mother's Day. Let's talk about the crucifixion of Jesus. But... In reality, here's Jesus's reality, beaten, bruised, unrecognizable. We know the story. Hanging on the cross. You've heard it. You've never been to church? It's a cool story. You should read about it. It's kind of important. He's on a cross, beaten, like you can't even recognize his face. Very few of his disciples, and disciples were just the people that followed Jesus for three years. They're just like his road dogs, his homies. He's their ride or dies. But these ride or dies are nowhere to be found. In fact, they're in the back. They're, they're very few at the foot of the cross. We have Mary there his mom. We have a few other women there, which I find very interesting as a woman. Because women will go to the depths of the earth, and not that men won't. And I love men in my life. I need men in my life. They're important in my life, and we're going to get to that. So as you men are just kind of scrolling out like, eh, it's Mother's Day. I don't know what you're going to talk about. We'll get to guns and all the things you need to hear about in a minute. But I try to stay connected. But I am, I am intrigued by the fact that most of the men are nowhere to be found. They are too scared to be by the cross. They are too worried to be associated what will happen to them. No doggone man. But it is interesting to me that most of the people that are at the foot of the cross are the hearts of a mother. There's something about a heart of a mother that will go to the cross with their baby that will stand at the foot. They, they set a tone for the home. Don't they? When mommy ain't happy, ain't nobody happy in your house. You know what I'm saying? They set a tone. They, they, set, they, they set a standard of what, what it could be like to love someone fiercely. When we think about unconditional, fierce, sacrificial love, oftentimes we will put those characteristics under the characteristics of a mama. Here's Mary as she's at the cross and Jesus is dying. Her baby, the one she knows that one day she was going to have to give up. In fact, when she was in the temple early on, she was given a prophetic word that she will watch this man die by the sword. All of this is coming to light. You need to understand even her own children, Mary's children, Jesus's brothers didn't even believe that he was Messiah. They didn't get it. His brothers nowhere to be found. But there's Mary, and there's John. Jesus has a role as a Jewish son. It is important for him to set his mom up well. And as he sets his mom up well, he realizes as he's on the cross, and he looks down at his mom, the very few that are still there, he looks down and he's like, man, I need to set her up well. I need to give her a place where she'll be taken care of. And that makes me think, why not the other? I mean, she had other sons. 
Why wouldn't you just be like, mom, hey, make sure you go back to James and hang out with him, you know? No, that wasn't what went down. What went down was, I look at my mom and I say, mom, he actually looks at her and says, woman, and this isn't something that he's like, hey, well, then that's not how he was talking. It's very customary that in Jewish culture, it would be honorable to call someone woman as a respect of who she is. But also I wonder if now Jesus is making a distinction that I am no longer your responsibility. You are now no longer in need of being my mom, but I see you as a woman. And he looks at her and he commits her to John, and he looks at John, who we know is the beloved. He tells us quite a few times. And he looks at him, and he, he knows what John is going to have to go through. He knows that John is going to have to walk a very hard road the next several years of his life. He knows that John is going to be very committed to who Jesus was and is and will become. He will die for this. He knows that John is going to have fiery darts pointed at him. He knows that there's going to be spiritual oppression on him. He knows that he is going to have to stand in complete opposition to what is set up in society. And he knows the kind of woman Mary was. He knows as he's leaving He's setting not only Mary up to be taken care of, but John up to be cared for. Sometimes I think we miss the heart of Jesus. I mean, think about it. I stub my toe and I don't want to talk to anybody for a few minutes. When you're in pain, the last thing you're thinking about is the other people around you. The last thing you're thinking of is setting someone up for their well-being when you're in the midst of tremendous pain. And yet Jesus, in the midst of the most incredible, excruciating pain of his life, looks down and gives his mom a place and purpose and gives John protection. This is the heart of the God we serve see, God, Jesus, provides when we are lacking. We think a story is supposed to be a certain way. No mom should outlive their kid. No kid should have to live with a mom that doesn't love well. No woman who has the, the ideas of wanting to become a mom, but the doctor tells her that she can't. These are not stories we want to hear. We don't want to hear stories that when we're pregnant and we realize our kid might have something that makes them less than perfect. We don't want that story. We want a story where moms are fully loving and dads are fully present and we get married and marriage is wonderful and we birth perfect children. This is the story we want. But I think for so many of us in this room, that's not the story we live. And yet, is God present in the midst of that? Does God see us in the midst of that? Does God love us in the midst of that? Does he care for us in the midst of that? Or is he just looking down and going, get it together. Other people have it worse off than you. I would venture to say no. As I grew up, you know my story, many of you, but I can't help but give, give honor to this story. You see, my mom, my biological mom, the one who birthed me, the one when I was four years old, I sat on her bed and she told me about the love of Jesus. 
And I asked Jesus in my heart, and from that day on, I believed in God my whole life. Even in the midst of my drug addiction, even in the midst of my broken marriage, I knew God was real. I didn't understand him like I do now and his radical love for me. But at four years old, my mom gave me the greatest gift she could ever give me. And she told me about a man who loved me more than she ever could. She didn't have much to offer. She didn't have much to give. In fact, you can only give what you have, and if you expect love from somebody who can't love themselves, your expectations will be very shot. And I realized growing up, my mom had very little to give. She was very broken. I remember one time when I was in high school, I never obeyed a curfew, shocking I know, but I would be late all the time. I came in one time and it was completely dark in the house. My mom at this point was pretty checked out. The only way she could really communicate with me without us getting in a fight uh, was through a letter. So she would write letters and leave them on my bed every once in a while. I wish I would have saved those letters. I remember one time I came home And I was walking up the stairs and we had these huge giant stairs in our house. They were huge stairs. I used to pretend like, you know, I was like in like a show or something going down those stairs. I remember walking up those those stairs and it's totally dark. At this point, they kind of thrown up their hands. Like I didn't even get in trouble anymore. They were just kind of like, whatever, you know, I don't know. Okay, she's alive, great. (laughs) I came in and it was totally dark and I hear something. I hear some kind of whispering or something, and I'm like, what's going on? I listen, and you go up the stairs, and you go right. It's my parents' room, and you go left, and my room was all the way down at the end, and I heard to the right some kind of talking. I kind of peeked my head in, and there was my mom. And she was on her knees, and she was praying. My mom had very little to give. And I knew that she felt like an absolute failure. She didn't say the right things. She didn't do the right things. She honestly didn't love me very well. And there's a lot of things that I could stand up here and tell you about all the things she did wrong and how she failed us and how she disowned us and how she abandoned us and how that caused incredible scars in my heart and my life. Yet there are moments that I believe that I am here today because of the righteous prayers of a very broken woman that her little two cents and all she could bring and offer was a prayer. You see, I look over the story of what was happening there as Jesus went to go finally be done with this earth and go back to his father and yet one of his latest, his greatest acts, one of his most beautiful sacrificial acts was in the moment he knew that as he was going, he wanted to provide where Mary would be lacking. When my mom ended up committing suicide, two months later, my dad was marrying a woman, and her name is Kimberly. She is my stepmom, but I don't like to call her that. I call her my mom. I hated her. I gave her the worst time, bless her heart. Something you need to know about Kimberly is she is like, like she walks around with like cartoon birds on her shoulders, like like everything's great and there's rainbows all the time and I'm just like oh my gosh is this woman even real she's real like this is really how she is she's the most positive happy person even when you're in trouble she's like um I'm gonna need to speak into your heart for a minute and you're like am I 
am I in trouble? (laughs) Over the course of two years, it was constant tension for me with Kimberly, but never Kimberly with me. I would introduce her, and I don't recommend this, but God knew what I needed. I would introduce her, this is my stepmom, Kimberly, and she would go, oh, I'm Carrie's mom. And I'm like, like, please, step back. But something inside my heart, it did something for me because my mom actually, my biological mom, had a really hard time owning us as her kids because we made her look old and and it was a really hard thing for her so she would not actually claim us as her kid. So God knew what I needed. He knew that at 31 years old, 31, come on, I'm supposed to have it together by then. You know, remember looking back at 31 and you're supposed to have it together and now you're like in your 40s, 50s, and 60s and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) At 31, I should have been healed. I mean, I went through two years of therapy. I paid a lot of money. I'm supposed to be very healed by now. She owns a home and a car because of me. And yet she would speak these words of life. I'm Carrie's mom. You see, Kimberly's only 10 years older than me. She looks younger than me, dang it. (laughs) She's beautiful. And never once did she shy away from saying, I'm Carrie's mom. I'm their grandmother to my children. You see, God knew what I was going to be lacking. He knew that the moment that he allowed my mom to take her last breath, because I do believe that God has his hand over everything, and I think he was like, okay, Linda, you can come home. I think he knew and cared about my heart. I think he knew that Mother's Days were going to be hard. I think he knew that I had places in my heart that were fragile that needed to be healed. And so he sent a Kimberly. I believe that he is sending these things to you today. Sometimes our pain keeps us from being able to see what is right in front of us. Sometimes we misunderstand the heart of God. Why did you take her from me? Yet as she's going, God has provided something for you, but your pain is keeping you from being able to see it. Mother's Day can be hard, and it is okay to sit in the heart of that, but don't miss the heart of what God has for you in the midst of it. In Genesis 3.20, It says, then the man Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. From the very beginning of time, women were called to mother. And that's a hard thing for us to swallow because some of us can't be moms. And yet I would venture to say that Kimberly is more a mom than I have ever had and she didn't biologically have me. See, I don't think mothering is relegated to biology. I think mothering is a place of nurture and a place of care. When someone is on the cross, you'll sit at the foot and just weep. This is a mother. I'm gonna ask for you today that this could be the place, this could be the day where you take and you hold the pain of what has been dealt to you, whatever card that is. 
Whether you are a mother today and you have biologically given birth to children and yet as you go to bed at night, you beat yourself up because they should have a better mom. I should do better. I should be better. I should look like that mom. I should act like that mom. Our marriage should look like this. I am a failure. I want to release you today that God knew exactly what he was doing when he gave these babies to you and you are doing well. Their behavior is not contingent upon whether you are a good mom. And sorry goes a really long way. You are doing good, mama. Let the whip go. Stop beating yourself up for the things that you're not doing and start sitting in the things that you are. As little as my mom was able to give, I believe I'm standing here today as a child of God because she gave me Jesus on her bed at four years old and I stand here free from the shackles that I lived in because she prayed with an earnest prayer from a broken heart for me. That's all she had and it's all she could give and I'm very thankful I remember thinking in that moment how dumb she was. How dumb that she's praying for me. I'm too far gone. And now I can sit here with a cleared head and go, what a great offering that she could give. If you are someone here today that can't be a mom, for whatever reason, the doctor has told you you haven't found the person that you'd like to live your life with, the adoption is too expensive, the infertility is not working, I wanna let you know that there's so many of us out there that could use your gifts of mothering. The most famous mother of all time, the one we all know of, never bore one child, Mother Teresa. I think so many of you in this room have relegated your calling to a box, saying it's got to look like this or I can't be this. And I implore you, please don't hold your gifts through the grid of what your expectations are supposed to be. Please offer your gifts to the world because there are so many of us out there that need someone to step in and heal places we didn't even know were that broken. And for those of you here today that are hurt by your moms, and this goes for you men too, so hi, welcome back. <laughs> I'm gonna offer this to you not in a trite way. I've said it before for those of you that have been here, but I really want it to sink in today. I can say this from a place of authority. For those of you that have moms that haven't been the best, that haven't fit the mold, they didn't go to PTA meetings, in fact, they weren't even present. They don't know how to offer the I loves you that you need or the hug that you need. I want you to know they really did do the best they could. And they really do love you. They just are really broken. And I want you to know that today you can be freed from the expectation and the bondage that you're having from wanting to be some, them to be something that they couldn't be. I promise you, they really did do the best they could for what they had. And I'll close with this because I'm out of time. I just want to speak to the men in the room for one minute. 
you know, Mother's Day is a great day for us as mamas. And Mother's Day is the day where you come and you bring flowers and you make sure there's a good dinner and, or a breakfast or you make sure that you are, you know, giving, you know, uh, I don't know, make sure you tell your mom that you love her and, and don't cry today and I don't know, how can I, can I rub your feet? That's a good one, actually. You should do that. <laughs> but I just want to implore upon you men, and I say this from a very strong woman standpoint. I am a strong woman. <laughs> Hear me roar. I have a lot of personality and there's a lot to deal with all of this. Being married to me is not a cakewalk. Your voice is so vital. Your voice is so powerful. When you look at your wife's eyes or your mom's eyes or your sister's eyes or your daughter's eyes and you hold them with your big, strong hands, And you look at them and you say, I am so proud of you. I am so honored to know you. I believe in you. Something happens to us. Something happens inside of us and we as women wanna say, we don't need a man. We don't need a man's voice. Yeah, we do. They need our voice and we need theirs. It will melt the women in your life's heart. If you just pick up the phone, if you just sit across from them, you don't need to fix a single thing. You just look at them and you say, I'm so proud of you. I believe in the Jesus in you. Unlock and unleash your gifts and I will be beside you. This world will start to change if you women start to understand that you are called to mother all of us. And it doesn't have to look like some kind of box. It just looks like sacrificial love. And men, when you start to speak life into the women in your lives, you will unleash them to do great and mighty things. And together, as we link arms, we will take territory in the name of Jesus and it won't look like broken bulldozing. It'll look like this unleashing of love where we let go of expectations and loss and we link arms together, man and woman, and we mother this world back to health. We sit at the foot of the cross, John and Mary, weeping with those that are hurting. This world would change. Mother's Day is a great day because we are all called to mother. We're all called to link arms together. And we do that from the very broken places of our hearts. As Jesus comes and mends those up together, I want you to know I'm very proud of you. As probably one of the oldest people in this room, (laughs) I want you to know I'm very proud of you. You're doing a very good job. And don't let anybody else tell you differently. You're doing a very good job. God, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for the heart of this church that allows space to be held for those that are hurting and those that are triumphant, for new mamas and old mamas, for mamas who can't be biological mamas, 
and for those fathers in here who've had to step in the place of mama. We pray, God, today that this would be a day where however we came, wherever we come with, whatever uh, uh, hurts we have, whatever joys we have, that we can sit in the next few moments and just really ask, God, where is it that you want to heal? What is it that you want to unleash? How have I been seeing my role and my gifts in a box, and how do you want to break those boxes? Today is a day where we encourage and, and, and show joy and love to those mamas around us, but yet, God, I believe that there's a bigger narrative going on here. I believe there's a bigger story being said. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to enter into this story. How can we encourage the women in our life? How can we love the daughters that are in front of us, the sisters that are beside us? How can we step into the place and speak gifts and life into them? How can we love with outstretched arms? How do we sit at the foot of the cross and weep with those that are hurting God? How do we mother this planet, God? How do we love this planet with the heart of a nurturing mama? Give us this day, God, to hear from you in the presence of these, just even these few moments as we allow worship to kind of sink into our hearts. I pray that you would just give us these moments to hear from you, God. Break off a chain. Break off the bondage. Let us forgive. Let us let it go so we can move forward and start loving in more freedom. Thank you for this day, God, the glorious day that you choose to meet us in all of our feelings, in all of our circumstances. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for letting me, giving me the privilege of being able to be here today and stand here and share with you my heart. Thank you for letting me have a few tears with you this morning um, on behalf of me. Can I just speak this over you as if God gave them to me these words himself? Women, I want you to know, I hope you hear this. You're doing a really good job. You really are. And in the sweet words of my daughter, I do hope and pray that you feel safe. And to you men here today, you're the women in your life, the young ones, the older ones, the ones that are the same age as you, we have all these voices in our heads telling us all the things we do wrong. Sometimes we need the voice that God can use through a really strong male voice that says, you're doing a really good job. I see you. Your women in your life today, men, you can buy them nothing if you say those words to them today. They will be like, what? Thank you. I mean, diamonds do help. But if you did say, short of diamonds, you speak those words into the women in your life, you will not only heal places they didn't even know were healed, you will begin to empower them to become the women that God has called them to be. It's an incredible gift you can offer. And it's really simple. Just look them in the eyes and say, I see you. You're doing a really good job. As mama, would you stand so I could pray over you? God, we just thank you for today. Lord, I just pray that you would be here in the midst with us today, God. We know you are. We know that you are speaking life over us, even in the midst of your own pain. You stopped to give when we are are lacking. What beautiful, beautiful example we can see, God, from you that we can give to others. So, Lord, I pray that today, although we might not walk out of here completely healed, I pray today that a little piece of us, just a little piece, 
was met with your spirit and something was able to heal today and we'd be able to receive and then give from the most beautiful, fragile places of our hearts. Thank you, God, for my mom. And thank you for all the moms in this room. Thank you for the ones who stepped in being a mom to those of us who were lacking. And thank you for every man in this room that believes further in you to be the voice of you to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. One last thing, don't forget to take a picture in the back. And secondly, two last things. Secondly, hey, we want this to be the safest place where we can talk about anything. So if you want to text in questions, please do so. And if you believe in what we're doing here and creating a great space, would you be willing to pray about and consider participating with us financially so we can continue doing, so you can just have pastors that cry on stage about their problems. <laughs> you want to keep seeing that happen? There's a participation box in the uh, outside and you can give there or online. I love you. God bless you. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.